This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Hi, I am Alana Willifee with my program called Body Matters. And today I'm going to be doing something completely different. I normally have a, a guest in the studio, but today I thought I would chat about um, a topic called the Kingdom of God and what the scripture says about it. And also secondly, I thought of touching on something about why the cross. There's so many people that don't really um, understand why Jesus had to die on the cross for our sins. And so many people's perception of the kingdom varies. So today my mission is to hopefully give you something that you can um that will give you a bit of clarif- uh, clarification on this topic. So my topic for today, as I said, is what is the kingdom of God and why the cross? So firstly, I want to start off with um, the kingdom of God would not make sense if I don't start at the beginning of Genesis with the fall of man. So just to jump in on this topic, I just want to talk a little bit about the fall of man because the fall of man kind of gives you a foundation of what the kingdom of God is really all about. So let's start at the beginning in Genesis. So in the beginning, God created earth and mankind, and he made us in his image. He has given us dominion over the earth and reign over all the animals in the world. So in Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our own image to be like ourselves. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So you see, the Lord made us from from the dust of the earth and he blew his breath of life in us. Um, We have a body and our body consists of a soul, which is composed of a mind, a will and, and our emotions. Then the Lord formed man from dust of the ground. He breathed his breath of life into man's nostrils and the man became a living person. So this is all taken out of Genesis. Um, So during the time when God was on the earth, he dwelled with man on earth and he enjoyed fellowship. So God's heart for creating us was to have fellowship with us. God lived with his creation and therefore man never needed the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit wasn't present at that time when God himself was on the earth, when he created Adam and Eve. And it was heaven on earth and man was destined to live forever. See, we were destined to live forever with God on this earth and in his presence. And earth would be the dominium or kingdom where God and man would live. All heavenly principles would be established on earth, no sickness, no death, but righteousness, peace, and joy. So God's heart is original plan for us was to have fellowship with him, to live on the earth, and to enjoy all the benefits of his kingdom. So God decided to delegate his legal authority to man to reign with him on earth. 
the kingdom of God was upon the earth. God entrusted man with his creation, and he had given man freedom to rule and reign over the earth, to be fruitful and multiply, to subdue the earth and to reign over everything. God gave his authority to us. He entrusted man to look after the earth and to multiply. And we'll read that in Genesis 1, 28. So the Lord gave man everything but one warning, and that was not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I believe that this tree was a, a test to determine if man would obey God. But they disobeyed God when they were tempted by evil, which is Satan. So the fall of mankind came when we, when man chose to believe a lie that was contrary, contrary, contrary to what God had asked them not to do. Man failed God through disobedience. And they chose to believe a lie over what God had asked them to do. And their disobedience cost them their reign and authority over the earth. And as a result, they had given their authority, in a way, over to Satan. And as the saying goes, whoever you obey becomes your master. Now, Satan was a fallen angel. As we know, he sinned against God and he was expelled from heaven. And Satan's ultimate plan was to take away the God-given authority that was entrusted to mankind and to have control over the earth and all humanity, causing havoc and rebellion against God. If we look at John 14.30, Satan is referred to as the ruler of this world. This was only because man had given his authority away. Because of the fall, mankind was casted out of God's presence, having no protection from Satan. So here we can see that there was definitely consequences to disobedience. And the kingdom of darkness was now the ruler of this earth, and that is Satan's reign. This earth was no longer under God's rule, but under the kingdom of darkness, under Satan's rule. And as we know, a life independently from God, the kingdom of darkness opposes everything that the kingdom of heaven stands for, which includes lust, greed, pride, and cruelty. Um, It's a place of war, fear, anxiety, sickness, and death. And as we know, this was never God's intention for our lives. But because of the disobedience, these were the consequences. The earth was covered in sin, and mankind was, yeah, bound to die an eternal death in hell with Satan and his demonic forces. But because God loves us so much, you know, he had made a plan to redeem us from these chains. And because God had given also, the mankind authority over the earth, he had to honor his word by not taking back the authority he had given us. In Psalm 115 verse 16, it says, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. So God could not intervene in man's decisions, but he had, as I said, a plan to redeem the world. 
So God's plan is and was to redeem the 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 to redeem us from the kingdom of darkness and to restore that authority that was given unto us and to establish the kingdom of heaven once again on this earth. And the kingdom of heaven is not just the um, physical land or dominion, but also the principles of heaven. And because of his love for us, that's what he wanted to restore. So if we look at John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God is spirit. And the only way he could restore creation to himself was to send his son Jesus Christ to the earth in human form. The reason why he sent Jesus in human form was because he had given humans authority over the earth. And through Jesus in human form, he could restore the authority back to man. And I believe, this is just my opinion, that Mary was chosen to be a surrogate mother for Jesus by God's supernatural invention. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit through man. Jesus has never been part of God's creation, but the Son of the living God. And even though he came to earth fully man, I believe that Jesus knew that he was the Son of God. So Jesus was sent to the earth not just to take back the authority from Satan, but to redeem mankind from eternal death in hell. He also came to take away our sins, to restore and heal us from every demonic stronghold and sickness, so that we could be reinstated to our original design as it was in the kingdom of God before the fall. The word reinstate means to restore someone or something to its original or former state. He came to restore us of the damage that Satan has done to us, to the exposure that we've been exposed to in this world. And by doing that, God would reinstate not just us, but the kingdom of heaven upon the earth once again and claim back the authority he had given us. If we read Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 3, Jesus clearly states the purpose God sent him to earth for. And that was to yield the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. And I believe that is God's authority that he came to heal and to restore and to deliver us. So I'm going to take a short break now and then I'm going to continue with this in a few moments. Thank you. This is Body Matters with Alana Olifer and I'm discussing what is the kingdom of God and why the cross. So coming back to where I ended off before the break, um, I just want to get to the topic of what is the kingdom of heaven? So I first wanted to just give you a little bit of background of the fall of man, because I think if you don't grasp why the fall, then you won't grasp what is the kingdom of heaven. So what is the kingdom of heaven? So the definition of a kingdom is a kingdom is a country or territory ruled by a king or a queen 
and every kingdom is also governed by its own principles, which is rules and regulations. So the kingdom of heaven was meant to be established on the earth with all the princi- all the principles that, that God established for us from the beginning. Um, but mankind forfeited this kingdom due to his disobedience. So the physical kingdom would have been on earth, and with that kingdom would have come the principles of kingdom living. So God made a plan, obviously, to reestablish his kingdom on earth through his son Jesus. And his plan was to establish the kingdom in through mankind, the spiritual reign or authority, firstly, and then establish the kingdom, which is the territory through man and the church. So if I just want to put it in simpler words, what I'm trying to say is that first God wants to establish his kingdom within us. And once his kingdom, which is the principality, which is his authority and spiritual reign within us as Christians, then we can establish kingdom on earth. Um, some of you might know that prayer, the, the, the Lord's prayer that says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is what our whole mission on earth is, is to establish God's kingdom, his principles and his authority on this earth. And once we establish that, we also establish the territory of his kingdom. So why did God send his son, Jesus, to the earth in a form of man? What was Jesus' assignment on earth? Firstly, he came to earth to represent the character of God to us. He came to demonstrate what the kingdom of heaven was like, and he came so that he could establish the kingdom of God in us and through us. And he could reestablish the kingdom of heaven on earth. So in Luke 4, 34, Jesus says, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also for I was sent for this purpose. So that was God's purpose, was to preach about the kingdom of God, not to just represent um, what God's character is like, but also to preach about what is the kingdom, what is the the um, principles of the kingdom of God. He came to pay the price for our sins so that we may have everlasting life, and be reconciled to God, therefore redeeming us from punishment or judgment and the power of death. He came so that we could reclaim the authority we had right at the beginning of creation. So when Jesus was approximately in his 30s, um, there was a man called John the Baptist. Now John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. And he was preaching and saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that is in Matthew 3, 2. John the Baptist was actually prophesying that people must repent and turn from their sins. So now repentance does not just mean to be regretful or show remorse what you have done. But in this instance, it was to renounce the kingdom of darkness 
and everything that it stands for so that they could embrace the coming of the kingdom of God, which would be available to them shortly. You see, Jesus, although he was the son of God, was fully man. When Jesus was baptized by John, his cousin, in the Jordan River, God sent the Holy Spirit in a form of a dove to rest on his son. It says that the heavens opened and the Spirit came down on Jesus in a form of a dove. So let me just read Matthew three sixteen and 17. It says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, lightning on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the moment that Jesus received the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God came upon Jesus after he was baptized. So after Jesus was baptized, he was no longer just man with a body and a soul and a mind and emotions, but a man filled with the Spirit of God. He made his body available to host the presence of God. He was no longer just a natural man, but a supernatural man. And God manifested his kingdom, reign and authority within Jesus. This means that God reinstated his authority and everything pertaining to the kingdom of God within Jesus. Jesus now had access to the things of heaven. The same spirit that lives in God now lives in his son Jesus. And Jesus was connected to his father through his spirit. So God could operate his authority via the Holy Spirit through Jesus to take back the authority of Satan and every demonic force on this earth. With the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus could heal the sick and cast out demons and and yeah, and even those who were demon-possessed. So Jesus represented his Father through the Holy Spirit that lived within him by demonstrating what the kingdom of heaven was like. If we think about it, healing and um, deliverance and all that stuff, in, in God's kingdom, no one is sick. So what Jesus was doing, he was actually manifesting kingdom principles by healing the sick. And what we regard today as miracles is just reestablishing God's kingdom principles. So in John five nineteen it says, So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. This signifies that through the spirit of God, Jesus could communicate and hear from God his father he was in tune with his father in heaven and only he, he only did what his father told him to do. Because of the spirit, he had access to the mind and the will of the father. His character and everything about him, as I said, represented Father God. So Jesus preached about the kingdom because that was one of his assignments. 
He said in John 18.36 that my kingdom is not from this world. Even though Jesus lived in the natural world, he was operating from a spiritual domain or dominion, and that is the kingdom of God. When someone asks you, where is the kingdom of God? It says, the word says, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God was mani- is manifested from the inside out. You see, when we accept the Holy Spirit, um, the kingdom of God is established within us. So he preached about the kingdom. And he said in John 18, 36, that my kingdom is not from this world. And in Matthew thirteen forty four to 45, he stipulates the value of having the kingdom of God. And it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then his joy, with joy, he went and sold everything he had. And he bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for a fine pool. When he, found, when he found one of the great values, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. This is just an illustration of how valuable it is to accept Jesus in your life. So when we accept Jesus in our life, God gives us his spirit like he did with Jesus. Therefore, when we accept Jesus in our lives, we host the presence of God. Therefore, the kingdom of God lives within us. So I know I'm repeating myself so much, but the kingdom of God is not somewhere out there. <laughs> it's within you. And in Luke seventeen twenty one, it says, and this is where the scripture comes, the kingdom of God is within you. So the kingdom of God refers to God's reign, rule, and authority and government in our lives. Um, it says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it will give you power. So when you have the Spirit in you, you have power. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And I believe when we um, give our lives to Jesus, we become the vehicle in which Jesus can operate on this earth. And we commit our lives to him. And that's why the scripture is so relevant when it's where it says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. As Christians, we are connected through the spirit to Jesus and Father God. And we have access to the kingdom of heaven. So we have also, the, the, the Bible also says that we have the mind of Christ. So that means that we are connected to Christ. We we as Christians should be able to um, hear Christ. We should be able to feel his heart. We should be able to to have an understanding of uh, of spiritual things, of, of, God, of, of things pertaining to God. And so as I said, we are connected through the Spirit to Jesus and Father God. And um, and therefore, it also makes sense when it's Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And that is because God lives within us when we accept him. He cannot leave us or forsake us. He is with us. He dwells within us. So our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And 1 Corinthians um, says, 
Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? When you have received from God, you are not your own. So in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God dwelled within the temple. And that was a building. But now it lives within each and every one of us who accepts Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives. And it's only through Jesus, through accepting him, through acknowledging him, that we can receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. And therefore the Bible also says that we should seek God's kingdom because through the kingdom of God, we have access to the Father. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So by having the kingdom inside of us, we have everything to overcome this world, meaning we're no longer powerless against the kingdom of darkness. In 1 John 4 verse 4 says, Greater is he who lives within you than who than he who, who is within the world. So what they're saying is that we have authority. When Jesus lives within us, we have authority through his spirit to cast our demons, to heal the sick, because God himself, his spirit lives within us. And in Matthew 16, 19, it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This means that we have the keys to access what is in heaven and the authority to bind things pertaining to the kingdom of darkness regarding demonic activity on earth and to loosen things pertaining to the kingdom of heaven, such as blessings, joy, and peace. And so the kingdom of heaven is also described as righteousness, joy, and peace in the spirit. So it says, yeah, in in Romans 14, 17, and we read the full scripture, it says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of, of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Spirit. Now, righteousness is an attribute that belongs to God. According to the dictionary, And righteousness is the quality of being virtuous, honorable, or morally right. Being righteous means doing what is right, obeying the law, and adhering to morals. So when we've got the Spirit of God in us, the Spirit of God is righteousness, it is joy, and it is peace within the Spirit that we have within us. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that refers back to that righteousness, that the spirit inside of us is a righteousness, pertains righteousness, joy, and peace. It is only by the spirit that lives within us that we are righteous and can experience true peace and joy. Um, In Luke 12, 32, it also says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased 
to give you the kingdom. And I just want to say this again, that we must remember that the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. And just lastly, um, I just want to go to John 3, 6, where Jesus answered them. And he says, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised by the saying, you must be born again. It is only through Jesus and what he did on the cross that we have access to the Holy Spirit. And John 3 verse 3 says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. So these scriptures are just confirmation that it is through Jesus Christ that we have the Holy Spirit. If Jesus never died, the Holy Spirit would never have been available to us. And that spirit, as I, I said before, is the same spirit that lives in God because God is spirit and his spirit dwelled in Jesus and in us when we accept him as Lord and Savior over our lives. I just want to um, talk a little bit more about the topic of the cross. Um, so why the cross? You know, why, why did Jesus have to die? So let's let's just focus a little bit on this because everything I'm saying now kind of ties into the same topic. So after Jesus was baptized in water and by the Holy Spirit, his ministry began because he was filled with the Spirit of God and he could perform miracles. And he did many signs and wonders. He was healing people. He was preaching about the kingdom of God. And I believe, this is my opinion, that Satan was afraid of the authority that Jesus had. And therefore, he wanted him to be crucified, which was all part of God's original plan for our redemption. And I want to refer to the last supper that Jesus had with his disciples in Matthew 26, um, verse 26 to 29, which says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat this as my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given it to them, saying, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So Jesus knew at that point that he had to die on the cross and that he would become the ultimate lamb for the forgiveness of sins for every person on this earth. Um, in John 1.29 it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Look! the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Why was Jesus the ultimate Lamb? So if we go a little bit back before in the Old Testament, um, before Jesus died, um, those who were waiting the Lord would have to sacrifice a Lamb at least once a year in the temple for the forgiveness of their sins. This was according to the law, to the Old Testament law. But now Jesus, 
became the ultimate lamb. He would sacrifice himself once and for all for the sins of mankind so that no more sacrifices were needed. And in Hebrews 8 verse 10, from verse 10, 8 to 10, it says, Sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings of sin you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then Jesus said, Here I am to come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So I just want to read a quote here by Billy Graham. And he says, But Jesus Christ came for one reason, to become the final and complete sacrifice for our sins. When he died on the cross, all our sins were transferred to him, and he died in our place. No further sacrifice is needed because Christ gave his life for us. So Jesus is saying, whoever chooses me will not be liable for the consequences of their sins. He paid upfront for humanity's sins. And then he says, choose me and I will give you everlasting life. This means that if we accept Jesus in our lives, we will not die or go to hell, which would have been the punishment of our sins. He died for everyone. Jesus was God's gift to humanity. There's only one condition in receiving this gift, and that is accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior over your life. Jesus had to die so that we could receive the Holy Spirit. And that is in John 14, 16. He could not physically be with us, but he sent the Holy Spirit. And the same Spirit, as I said, lives in Jesus, now lives in you. The same Spirit that raised the dead is within us. It is through the Spirit that we are connected to Father God. It's only because of the cross that we have the Spirit of God within us and available to us. So it is through the blood of Jesus that we are made right and reconciled to Father God. So in John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The gift of the Holy Spirit is available when we accept Jesus in our lives. Because of the blood, we are justified. In Romans 5, verse 9, it says much more than much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Because of the blood, we are forgiven. In Ephesians 1 verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So the question is, how did Jesus overcome death? So three days after his crucifixion, um, after he's been crucified, he rose from the dead. And no man in history died in front of many witnesses, buried in a tomb, and then three days later he's alive or back to life. And it was not just Jesus that rose from the dead during that time. But the day he rose, many other people 
that have already died during that time also came out of their graves. And this must have been an awesome sight. I mean, people must have been overwhelmed. In Matthew 27, 53, it says, They came out of their tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. I just want to tell you today, Jesus is still alive today. And his spirit in us is also alive. Our bodies may die one day, but his spirit in us cannot die. And that is why those who choose Jesus will have eternal life. In John 10.10, it says the thief comes only to kill, steal and destroy. But I came so that you may have life and life in abundance. This life is not just for eternity when we die, but to have life in abundance, joy and peace and righteousness on this earth. And in this world, there's people believe in many different gods. But there is no other God besides our God that has sent or was willing to send his son to become a sacrifice and a savior for his creation. No other God besides Jesus raised the dead, healed the sick and performed miracles. There's no other God besides Jesus who rose from the dead. All this has been recorded and witnessed. Our God is alive. I would just like to take a short break and then we're just going to end off after this break. Thank you. Hi, I'm Alana Ulifir and you are with Body Matters. And we are discussing the topic of the kingdom of God and why the cross. So I'm nearly at the end of the program. Um, I just wanted to end off with some final words. And um, so, yeah, my question to you is... Today, will you choose Jesus? When you choose Jesus, your sins are paid for, and He promises to give you the Holy Spirit that will always be with you and help you. He gives you eternal life and the gift of salvation. And I just want to give you the definition of salvation. And um, salvation means to preserve. And to deliver from harm or loss. So God's heart for you, for God's heart towards you, He says, "My plans are to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future." God has got such good plans for us. His heart towards us is to restore us, to heal us, and to deliver us from any form of destruction. And so today, my question again to you is, will you choose Jesus today? And I always say, while you have breath in you, you can make a choice. When you have no breath, your grace period is over. You cannot choose no longer. So every minute that you're alive today is an opportunity to accept Jesus in your life if you haven't made that choice. And I also want to just chat to someone out there. You might think, you know what? I serve Jesus. I've sinned. I'm so far from him. 
I don't even want to go um, spend time with him. I don't want to be in his presence. I just want to tell you today, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And God says it doesn't matter how far you've fallen back, how much you have sinned, how unworthy you may think or feel you are. God says that his grace and his mercy is there for you. God God wants, wants you to come back. He says, enter my gates with praise giving. He says, come boldly before the throne of God, my throne of grace to obtain mercy. You see, God is not just interested in what you do. It's not what you do. It's what you believe in. It's who you believe in. And um, it's not what you do. It's whose you are. So God is not a God of judgment. He's not going to judge you. But God's arms are open wide for you today. So this is an invitation to come back to God today. He's a God who forgives all our sins. He removes it as far as the east is from the west. And he remembers it no longer. All you need to do is just repent and come back to God. It's not too late. It's never too late while you have breath, while you can breathe, while you're alive. So if you today want to choose Jesus, I really want to pray for you today. And I just want you to repeat after me. So I'd love to pray for you. So Jesus... Thank you for the price that you paid on the cross for my sins. Father, forgive me of my sins and wash me clean with your blood. I want you to be the Lord and God over my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I commit my life into your hands, in Jesus' name, Amen. Lord, I just want to thank you for every single person that has prayed this prayer. Lord, you know everything that is happening in their hearts. You know their circumstances and whatever they are going through, Father. And Lord, what we cannot accomplish in our own strength, Father, when we surrender our lives to you. Father, you can do with our lives far more than what we could ever imagine in our own strength. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, Lord. You know everything about us before the foundation of the earth. You even know um, about our sins, Father. You know everything about us. Nothing is hidden from you, Father, and nothing is a surprise to you. Thank you, Father, that even when we stuff up, Father, that your grace and your love is unconditional towards us. 
And so, Father, everyone that has committed their lives to you today, I pray that you will transform their lives like never before, Father, that you will intervene in their circumstances, Father, that you will just shower them with your joy, your peace, and your righteousness that comes from your Spirit, Father, that dwells within them. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Father. And thank you, Father, that you will use them mightily in your kingdom. Thank you that no one will snatch them out of your hands. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So I just want to thank everyone that has listened to this program. And unfortunately, um, this is the end of the program. But if this program has touched you in any form or way, or you have recommitted your life to Jesus and you would like to um, just get in contact with us, you can go onto Radio K Pulpit's webpage site and you can press the WhatsApp button that, that's there and you can put in Body Matters, which is this program. And yes, then send me your comments or whatever you would like to, to share with me. I would really love to hear from you. Um, so yeah, so thank you so much for joining me. We'll meet again next week, Saturday, same time, same frequency, with much more conversation from me, Alana Willie, for you. Have a blessed week.